0: Hello and welcome to Binge or Purge Streaming Reviews. I am your host, Demo. My co-host, as always,
1: is Joe Taylor. This is episode 81. 81. Good to see you, man, as always. Yes. Anything you want to start off with? Oh, yeah. Of course.
0: Go ahead. On our last episode, you were going crazy about Kyle Dunham. Is that his name? Dunnegan. Kyle Dunnegan's star boat. Yeah, yeah. Why, Joe? You didn't like it? Why? (laughs) I thought it was funny, man. His impressions are okay. His yeah. impressions are good. Yeah. Okay, but that deep fake looks like it was done on a Speak and Spell. It's bad, man.
1: Okay, well, it's probably pretty. You know, we're not there yet, technology wise. What
0: are you talking about? They, they look what they do with Luke Skywalker and Tom Cruise. I know he doesn't have the budget for these deep fakes, but I mean, it's like third grader. You know, okay, here's the software you get for the you know the preschoolers to do deep fakes. I'm not no. blaming him. But I'm saying whatever technology or software he is using sucked.
1: Okay. I'm glad you liked it. That's a fair criticism. I'm not
0: coming down on his impressions. His impressions are good, especially his Ben Shapiro. I thought his Ben Shapiro was really good. His Joe Biden, whatever, whatever. But, man, at four minutes, five minutes, there were three episodes. I watched all three. The last one was eight minutes. And by then I was like, oh, my God. It's too long. Too long. Yeah. But I did it. So I could give you an honest review
1: (laughs) and tell you, no. So you think the Instagram. Starboat. All right. That's
0: what I had to, I had to just get that going because I was like, I was excited. And I got in the car, you know, right after you told me about it, I jumped on Instagram and I, I couldn't find it. And then I, I went to his page I was like, I can't wait to watch it. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me, dude. Wow. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well. But hey, hats off to you, man. The Michael Jackson stuff cracked me up. Like I said, his
0: impressions are good.
1: Let's move on. Okay. All right. Uh, I wanted to, uh, since you've already torn me down five seconds in, I'd like to lift myself back up and tell you that I listened to, uh, another podcast, uh, which I won't mention cause we're not in the business of promoting other podcasts. That's verboten. Yeah. Uh, but you, you probably already know what it is, but Paul Thomas Anderson, mm-hmm. he was on there to promote licorice pizza, which I still haven't seen. Oh, heard- we're going to get into that. Okay. I heard it's good. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I like his other stuff. He was on this thing and he said, you know what the problem is right now? He goes, you got all these 98 minute stories that are getting turned into 12 episode series and they're just way too long. And I said, hmm, where have I heard that before? And then I remembered it's from me about a thousand times. Yes. And I agree with you. Yeah. We're getting paid back for this COVID stuff, everything being on hiatus for a year and a half because whatever they could record, they were like, stretch it out. You know, stuff that probably was planned on being a movie. I think maybe got turned into series just out of necessity. So I don't know if that's true or not, but could be. Me and PTA, man, on the same page. I'm not on the same page as him, and you'll see why later. <laughs> okay.
0: What he's saying, like, I'm going to spin it. Well, we'll get to okay. it. Okay. We'll get All to right. it. When we're we're going to do an Oscar uh, little recap later, and we'll get into licorice pizza.
1: Okay. Okay? All right. Sounds good. But we let's got... do a review. Yeah. We're, Speaking
0: uh... of things that should have been truncated, Okay. <laughs> I have Pam and Tommy, the story of the illicit sex tape in the mid-90s. You know this, right? This is the Hulu thing, right? This is on Hulu. Yeah, I know about the tape, yeah. Of course you know about the tape. It says eight episodes, should have been six. The first three dropped at once, and they were fantastic. I was like, this is great, but they peter out, no pun intended, or pun intended, (laughs) Okay. By the time we got to episode eight, I was like, Oh my God, are we finally done? I, I would like go Tuesday would come around and I'd be like, Oh great, another episode of Pam and Tommy. Let's wrap it up. So it
1: was eight, but it felt like ten and a half.
0: This could have been done in that- four to six, yes. You get it?
1: No, ten and ah I'm bump. I'll throw okay. in the uh
0: yeah. Now who's in it, you might ask? Obviously, it's uh Pam Anderson and Tommy Lee, played by Lily James. I was not familiar with her work. I guess she's from Downton Abbey. She's British. And Sebastian Stan, he plays Tommy Lee. And then Seth Rogen plays the guy who stole the sex tape. Also, Nick Offerman is in it for a little bit. He doesn't have the big a part as it was plugged. And then Taylor Schilling, she's as a supporting part as well. The performances in this are good. Not just good, great. Lily James and Sebastian Stan nail their parts. There's another one for you. Nailing it, right?
1: Welcome to binge or pun. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, dick jokes. (laughs) They never get old. They just get soft. Oh, boy. I know. I'm sorry. I'm going to cut all this out. Let me
1: edit this one, would you? Yeah, yeah, I will. (laughs) Now, did you see the
0: sex tape back in the day?
1: No. I mean, I've seen little clips of it on on TV, so I don't even know where to find it. I guess it's probably out there on porn sites or something. I've never actually seen it. When
0: I worked on Beverly Hills 90210... We all watched it. Huh. My boss was like, Hey, come in here. I got the tape. I'm like, What? Now he had a bootleg of a bootleg of a bootleg. So it was in black and white. It was a tape tape probably. Yes, yeah, VHS. Wow. If you watch the show, the whole thing is about the fact that like it's the dawn of the internet era. So, I mean, everyone's just like VHS tapes, but now it's like, oh, they're going to put it on the internet. The what? The internet. How do I get to that? Well, you type www dot, it's like a running joke about the fact that, like, you know, the internet is going to become this thing and no one really knows how to operate it. But you watched it on half-inch, half-inch, VHS. (laughs) It's (laughs) more like it. (laughs) Oh, my God. What can I say? It started out great, man. It really did. It had an energy. The first three episodes were directed by Craig Gillespie, who did I, Tanya* and Cruella, which I said I really liked. He's a good director. His stuff is very entertaining. And the first three that he did are great. Then when they go week to week, diminishing returns, man. It just gets way too serious. I don't want to say that it's like it gets bad. It just doesn't maintain that energy level. And like I said, by the end, you're like, can we wrap it up? We know what's going to happen. You mean you know the history? The only thing you really learn is the fact that like it really weirded out Pam Anderson. Like she had a real big problem with it. Tommy Lee not as much. He just had to deal with the fact that Pam was so upset, and you know Tommy Lee is out of control at every moment. You know, and he's he's a hothead. Yeah, you know? I have a story about that, but I'll get but, to my notes on when okay, you're done. Okay, hold on. Seth Rogen is really good in it, playing a sad sack loser. He does a great job. Like, you really don't see, like, (laughs) you know, that's my bad Seth Rogen laugh. It's
1: not that bad, surprisingly. Like
0: I said, the acting is great. I just feel like the writing just doesn't support it. It was created by Robert Siegel. Now, he wrote The Wrestler, which I really like, and The Founder, which is about uh, McDonald's. McDonald's I think we might have discussed this in previous episodes with Michael Michael Keaton. Keaton. That's a really good movie. I don't know, man. The writing just gives way here and it, it doesn't really have much of a payoff. I wanted to end. Maybe it would be more enjoyable now that they're all out and you can just binge it all at once and maintain some kind of momentum. But I'm still going to say Pam and Tommy on Hulu is a binge. I know you want to say something else and get into this, but I also want to mention it unnecessarily rips on Motley Crue. And I don't know why. Like, it takes jabs at Motley Crue any chance it can get. And I'm like, why the Motley Crue hate? I don't think, like, ripping on Motley Crue contributes to the story. Like, in the end, they're like, you know, oh, here's Motley Crue's latest album. And then someone, it's at the record store, and then someone's taking it and, like, dumping them in the discount bin. And I'm like, is that necessary to what we're doing here? I won't stand for it. I like the crew. Okay. Yeah. Did you hear about this whole thing though with him and uh, Nikki Six and Eddie Vedder? No. How they've been having a Twitter war. No. And talking shit about each other. No. Anyway, because you know Motley Crue resents Pearl Jam and the whole grunge movement. Here's the thing: I like Motley Crue and Pearl Jam. You can like them both. They don't have to. You don't have to be like this, like one or the other. I don't know if you knew anything about this.
1: Just checking. No, I, I. Um i don't go on twitter because uh, i have a life and stuff but two questions for you yeah so is other than this being based on a true story obviously was there source material was this based on someone's book or memoirs it was based on a rolling stone article okay which leads to my second question was tommy lee or anyone else involved with this or are they against it or just we don't know
0: pam anderson wanted nothing to do with it she's in no way involved Neither is uh, Tommy Lee. However, Tommy Lee said, yeah, go for it. Right. Pam Anderson was like, no, 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 no. I want nothing to do with this. Which is weird because she comes off the best in this. She comes off as the most caring and understanding and, you know, decent person in this whole show. Because it's mostly filled with a-holes. Right. Like, you start off being sympathetic to Seth Rogen, but by the end you're like, dude, what the hell's wrong with you, man?
1: You deserve all this crap that's happening to you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, here's what I thought about it. Oh, you watched it? Some of it. Oh, good. I didn't get very far. Okay. Red flag number one, uh, about halfway through the first episode, I realized that Seth Rogen was the most likable character on the show. (laughs) Yes. So that's, I mean, now we're in upside down world or whatever. I thought he was great. I thought the acting was great. I've never seen either of uh, Tommy Lee or Pam, the actors that played him. I've never seen them before. What are you talking about? Sebastian. Oh, you don't watch Marvel movies. Never mind. No, okay, and he's I the don't Winter watch
0: Soldier. Never okay. mind. I get it. I get it. Sebastian Stan, though, he works a lot, man.
1: Okay. Well, good for him. I thought all of that was fine, I thought it looked cool and everything. They did a good job of making it look like the 90s in LA. By the way, can you imagine living on like Sunset Boulevard and every time you walk out of your apartment, it's like, oh, I see the art department has changed it to uh, the 70s this weekend. We see it all the time. We drive down that Guitar Center, or the Tower Records turns into a Guitar Center, and then back, and then there's buildings there that they just CGI back to the. Well, way they have they were. to. The
0: whole place is being destroyed.
1: Yeah, it's like a Chase it's Bank. It's awful in a, now. Yeah, it's just. You know, the Viper Room's closing, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so. gonna turn into like luxury condos or some. I don't. They say, well, oh, they're yeah. still gonna have a, a music venue aspect. I'm like, oh, give me a break.
1: No, if it's not painted black walls and people, you know dying yeah yeah, partying i was gonna say partying but anyway yeah that whole part of town's just turned into a big strip mall it's sad but like i said they have no problem recreating it for all these retro shows anyway what i was gonna get at uh i hated it because i thought that his character especially was such an a-hole yeah i was like why do i want to watch this this guy is garbage and now i don't know if he really is a garbage person but i do have two stories for you really quickly go Okay, so I used to work with the guy who moved out here from Minnesota with the amazing Jonathan. Mm. And I think I brought this up when we reviewed his thing. By the way, RIP. Yes. Uh, He passed a couple weeks ago now, I think. Yep. So he was great. Very funny. So this guy moved out there. He also worked with Tommy Lee. And Tommy Lee used to have a bar in Hollywood. And apparently one time showed up and for whatever reason was unhappy with how the business was being run or or whatever, uh, and smashed just about all the liquor bottles behind the bar, which is not good for profit margins, you know, uh, but apparently very explosive personality. So whatever this was drawn from, they must have gotten it right. And there's another story I'll tell you off the thing. It's a little more graphic now. I think no, about no, it. no, no. Do it. Well, so this guy said the first time he ever met Tommy Lee, he knocked on his door, and he goes, come in, and he comes in, and he was in the middle of an act with uh, some uh, young lady and just had no qualms about him just walking in while he was, yeah. Coitus, Joe. It was coitus, yeah. Oh, wow. You know. Yeah. All of this has been uh, separately, what do you call it, independently uh, supported. Confirmed. With, yeah, with uh, with other anecdotes. So yeah,
0: Everybody knows Timely Lee's a douchebag,
1: dude. Come on. I guess. So anyway, I just didn't want to watch it. I was like, this is, it felt mean-spirited. It felt like ugly i mean i guess the real story is not great to begin with so that's what kind of makes me wonder why make a series about this thing that wasn't good for anybody really i mean it it was i guess monetarily good for some people but i just didn't like it It felt icky i hear you how far did you get though like one episode
0: okay i say watch the first three and bail Oh, those are the fun ones and then it just gets too, just like, oh, the, uh. yeah. just the lawyers and the, I want to sue. I don't want to sue. Sign the paper. Don't sign the paper. I'm not going to, oh, Pam, why won't you listen to me? I'm trying. Like, you just, free uh, let's move on.
1: I just wanted to say real quick, I didn't like when he was yelling at the construction worker, changing his mind, berating him. I just thought it was very mean. and I didn't want to watch it. Didn't okay. want to support that kind of stuff. There you so. go. Okay, moving on. Yes. I watched a miniseries on netflix called pieces of her have you heard about this before just about half an hour ago nope i don't know if it's getting promoted a lot it's hard to tell like depending on your netflix algorithm if you would have even seen a thing for it but this is a mystery thriller action sort of thing kind of looks like... new
0: it says that first episode debuted march 4th of this year
1: yeah it just came out oh Brand great oh huh. uh tony colette you like her yeah She's a solid actress for sure. Uh, She's very good. And her daughter is played by Bella Heathcote. Very lovely young lady. Incredible acting all around. Uh, She was on uh, nothing really you would have seen. A lot of small stuff strange angel remember that weird jack parsons thing those words made no sense to me Uh, strange angel jack parsons strange angel was on cbs plus he was the father of modern rocketry but he was also into the occult nerd alert yeah i know that's why i'm surprised you haven't seen it (laughs) anyway she plays the daughter there's a lot of mystery like this i don't think was based on a book i'll bet the book would have been good visually very cool some fighting Uh, She starts to learn some secrets about her mother's past. It's got a little bit of like a- It is based on a book. It says it right here. Okay, well there you go. Inspired by best-selling author Kieran
0: Slaughter's book of the same name. Pieces of Her follows mother and daughter Laura and Andy Oliver as a violent attack in their, I can't read, my eyes are shot. These glasses are done. Everybody, I wear glasses and I need a new prescription. Whatever. Violent attack in their quiet town proves Laura's past is back to haunt them with a vengeance.
1: Yeah. Okay, this sounds good. No? Well, this is why I wanted to bring up that Paul Thomas Anderson thing. Oh, because okay. eight episodes, about an hour each, it would take about the same amount of time to actually read the book. These TV shows and movies are supposed to save us time. And I think, uh, like a lot of things we've been talking about, it's too long way 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 too long i got six episodes in i didn't finish the last two you're done with it i'm done with it wow because it takes a whole other turn and it's like okay is this about the thing that it's about or now there's this whole second story it had a little bit of a judd apatow like the first story ends in the second part of the second act and then like a whole other movie starts oh god you know what i mean funny people yeah yeah well a lot of his movies but yeah that one particularly it's like oh this is why couldn't you save that for a sequel Uh, So it was kind of two stories in one. And I didn't like that. Really fun to watch the first few episodes. A lot of surprises. I had no idea what this was. I just thought it kind of looked like Gone Girl or something like that. It just gets dark and it gets too much in the weeds, too much detail about all this stuff. The premise would have worked in a shorter amount of time. This is eight hours of material. I don't think it's worth eight hours. So I'm going to say Purge. All right. Ah! That is Pieces of Her on Netflix. Yeah. Can I do another one? Please. Okay. This one I've been excited for. Oh, good. And you know why? Because it's a hidden gem. Hidden gem. Oh, here we go, folks. Your nickname in college. Okay. (laughs) You're a little bit older than me, but I think this show probably happened intergenerationally. Remember Ren and Stimpy? Yes. Okay. This is called Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy. The Ren and Stimpy Story. Oh, no way. It's a documentary, 107 minutes long. It's on Pluto. Now, I know some people might be saying, what is Pluto? I have no idea. It's an app on the smart TV. I don't know how I got it. It apparently is free. So if you have a smart TV, you can download the Pluto app and watch it for free. It turns out, Demo, this may surprise you. Yeah. The guy who created Ren and Stimpy was deeply troubled. No, you're kidding. Now, this premiered, I should say, this premiered in January of 2020 at Sundance. And then, uh, you know, two, three months later, all the theaters closed. So it never really got a release uh, after Sundance. Uh, Directed by Chemo Easterwood and Ron Cicero. Uh, Neither have done anything that you've probably heard of, but they've uh, been around. It gets into a lot of stuff. It starts with this executive at Nickelodeon. Named uh, Vanessa Coffee. She fought for the show. She had done uh, Doug and Rugrats and all that stuff. She fought for Red and Stimpy to get on the air, even though they were like, this is not, even at its tamest, was not really a children's show. No, it was for all. college kids. Yeah. It, uh, it really took off. And, you know, I, I don't really remember it being as big as it was, but apparently it was the thing. They were the cool kids in Hollywood, especially in the animation world for a while. And really the only thing that came before it was like The Simpsons. What about Beavis and Butthead? That was, wasn't that after? Oh no, it was before. You sure? Wait a minute. No, it was after. It was after. Oh my God, what's wrong with me? And if if you're not familiar with Ren and Stimpy uh, folks at home.
0: All of our listeners know Ren and Stimpy. Okay. There's not one of them that doesn't.
1: Okay. Well, then you'll remember that the thing it really had going for it was the visual comedy. The extreme close-ups. Wren shaving Stimpy's tongue. I just you... remember the snot. Oh, snot. The close-ups
0: and... of the snot in the nose and then yeah. log. Remember log? It's log. It's log. It's better than bad. It's good. Yeah.
1: Like Civil War log where they cut. Oh, yeah. The... yeah. 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 Oh, I, m- I remember all of it. Yeah. And they had a character named George Licker who was always drunk. A lot of stuff that certainly was not for kids, a lot of gross-out humor made The Simpsons look pretty tame at the time. Uh, I mean, Eat My Shorts, you know, Bart Simpson, that was a big deal back in the uh, 80s or whatever. And then when this came out, it just blew all that out of the water. And, you know, they talked a little bit about stuff that came after it. You know, Beavis and Butthead, for example, uh, all the way up through one of our favorite shows, of course, South Park. Of course. It sort of paved the way for uh, animation to get away with things that certainly wouldn't fly coming out of a live human's mouth. So they talk about that. Most of the things centers on this guy. Oh, here's a name for you, Demo. I can see it right now, and I'm not go even ahead. gonna go no. <laughs> for it. Ready? Are you I okay? Mean, John, uh, oh god, no. nope, nope, nope. I'm gonna go with Chris Felusi.
0: Okay, they, sure.
1: I don't remember if they ever actually say it in the doc, they all call him John K. Yeah, I would. John K. Great, yeah, yeah awesome. So he uh, holy
0: cow. That's a terrible name.
1: Yeah. It's like, uh, it changes direction in the middle. It talks, and he's interviewed for the thing too. And he's very open and honest and regrets a lot of what happened. So basically they became very cool and uh, like all great things started to come off the rails. Episodes started being late. He started abusing, you know, verbally at least, uh, his staff, no one wanted to work there anymore. He would just rip up people's drawings and stuff. Uh, very difficult guy possibly some mental stuff going on possibly some substance probably both this has a couple interviews with uh bobby lee jack black but a lot of the interviews are with people that worked there at spumco spunk spumco spum yeah s-p-u-m-k-o yeah okay the executive who fought for the show she's interviewed a lot that's the best part of the documentary i think is uh, Vanessa Coffey talking about what it was like working with John and kind of going between him and standards and practices and kind of fighting for him. And then after a while, he turned on her, which is something that someone does when they're not thinking straight because she was really fighting for him all along. Towards the end, he started saying, okay, yeah, I'll take those notes. And then he would tell the animators, put that back in, even though they had been told, no, we can't hear that. There's one whole episode they pulled because it was so violent. It just got more and more outlandish and not funny outlandish, like mean. Uh, he was also the voice of Ren, by the way. Oh, okay. So imagine an actual human that can identify with that psychopathic character, and uh, that explains a lot about him. Uh, then it gets even darker. Uh, he started dating a 16-year-old girl when he was 36. Oh, whoa. Uh, possibly back when she was 14. He, oh, he admits. no, dude. Yeah, that's, no. That's too young. Yeah, uh, just a little bit. Yeah, just for the record. Creepy
0: alert. Creepy alert. Come on, dude. No. This is all bad.
1: No, uh, that wasn't good. And then she came out to California to live with him when she was 17. And he said he was 36 or something? He, he oh, was 20 all- years older than her. Oh, yeah. God. So he uh, ended up losing the show, basically. Uh, they took it away from him. They gave it to one of the other kind of animation uh, supervisors slash co-directors uh this guy bob camp all very colorful interesting characters and they talk to almost everyone that was working there back in the heyday uh very cool uh one other thing i want to mention uh there's this animator there named he, he went by bill ray w-r-a-y i didn't realize this but i follow him on instagram at william ray and he posts some of the coolest uh pictures i've ever seen like paintings i think a lot of them are his a lot of them are other people's he's a Doing air quotes curator or whatever, but he also still does painting and animation and stuff. Some very, very cool stuff. Um, he did the one of Superman the, the Hollywood Boulevard, Superman sitting in his crappy studio apartment with some empty beer cans next to him. Just kind of looking at the ground. You've I've seen, seen that. Yeah. yeah. Some very cool, like Hollywood art, you know, I'm not a big art fan, but I really like his Instagram at William Ray W R A Y. So Bill Ray was one of the guys. I think he did background scenic or something like that. So that's just something I want to throw out there. This thing is uh, interesting. It's very interesting. And like I said, it starts out fun, gets darker and darker and darker and darker. It's a tale of uh, tragic success. All right. And it's very honest. The guy's a good interview subject. The lady from uh, Nickelodeon's great. Happy, happy, joy, joy. The Ren and Stimpy story on Pluto. It's a binge.
0: Great. I got to figure out a way to find Pluto. I think it's right on my fire stick. I think it's just there. Probably. I think I scroll by it and I'm like, Pluto, what the hell is that? Yeah. Don't they have like the James Bond movies on there too or something? I have no idea. I think maybe. As of January 1st, 2022, the free James Bond movies on Pluto are
1: gone. It's got some free TV on it too. Okay. What else you got? I have a movie. I have a good movie. I have something that I'm
0: happy to review. Oh good. Yes. It's up for best picture. One of ten up for best picture (laughs) this year. Okay, we're gonna Were there ten movies this year? Ten movies up for best picture. They they filled the maximum that they could.
1: I mean, were there ten movies that even came out this year? These are the ten. Okay, they all got nominated. This is
0: it. They all got nominated, except for Spider-Man, No Way Home. That didn't make it. I'm Mm. not getting into that, okay? I know you don't give two shits, but why didn't Spider-Man, No Way Home, get nominated? Because they're not going to nominate it, all right? They're not going to do that. The Oscars nominate things that are long and drawn out and typically boring and artsy. That's how they are, folks. True. All right? But- They did expand the category from five to possibly ten to allow for movies like that. But what do they do? They just fill them with the same kind of movies. So when you had the five, like, uh, artsy-fartsies, now it's ten artsy-fartsies. You know what I mean? They didn't really work out to their advantage. They, you know, bring in the common viewer. That's not my point. The point is, I have a great movie to review. It is exclusively on Apple TV+. It is Coda. Have you seen it? No, it looks really sad. It's not sad. It's moving. It's heartwarming. It's great. Now tell people what CODA means. CODA means Child of Deaf Adults. That's the acronym. Right. I have it written down. Got yes. It. And it's also about music. You know, codas and in music. Yes. So it's, Ooh, it's a double meaning here, Joe. They're really going yeah. all out. This is uh, one hour and 51 minutes. It's a remake of a 2014 French film. And this is a co-production of the United States... France, and Canada. It's international now. It stars Emily Jones, Troy Kotster, Daniel Durant, Marley Matlin, and Eugenio Derbez. It's Eugenio Derbez. He's a huge star in Mexico. Now, uh, Troy there, he's already winning all the awards for Best Supporting Actor. He's nominated for that. This is nominated for Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actor. He's a lock for Best Supporting Actor. Okay, He already won uh, the Critics' Choice the other day, and he'd already won the SAG Award for Best Supporting Actor in a Feature. Hmm. Everyone's really good in this. Emily Jones is the lead. She's the daughter of her family. Both her parents are deaf. Her brother's deaf. She's the only one that can hear, and she has a great singing voice. She's really talented, and it's about her trying to deal with the fact that, you know, she wants to sing and perform, but she's also got to deal with the family business and their fishermen. It's simple and it's perfect. It's moving. By the end, you are going to be crying. It's just a well told, simple story about this girl and her deaf family. On Rotten, it's got a 95% with the critics and the audience a 93 If you don't like this movie, there's something wrong with you. Now, I will say there's no big surprises. It's sort of paint by numbers, but I don't know. The formula works, man. And it's Coda on Apple TV Plus. Huge binge.
1: I have a couple of follow-up questions. Yes. I, I have heard this was good. Is it anything like that movie, Sound of Metal, or completely different... Uh... Totally different tone. Okay. Totally different tone. That's someone who's going deaf and
0: dealing with the fact that he's losing his hearing and which, by the way, Sound of Metal is great. Right. But this is more of a feel good. Okay. It's a very positive movie. Second question. The, like, I'm going to put it this way. Okay. It's just like normal people trying to live their lives who happen to be deaf.
1: Okay. Second question. Yeah. So the word coda in music you alluded to. That means kind of the winding down or conclusion. Does that have something to do with the theme of this story? I don't think so. I think it's just,
0: you know, it's like a musical term and it's, like I said, an acronym as well. Sorry, Demo, but I think it alludes to the family ending a chapter of their life together and starting a new one.
1: All right. Well, Coda on Apple TV, Demo says binge. Yes, I do. And apparently the Academy says binge, too. Yes. Now, the Academy Awards are coming up
0: very, very soon. I don't know if you're going to hear this before or after, but I just want to go over what's up for best picture. I'm not going to get into actor, actress, supporting any of that. I just want to say I have now seen eight and a half of the ten best pictures. I already said CODA. Okay, you know how I feel about that. Mm -hmm. I have not seen Belfast, the Kenneth Branagh movie in black and white. I have the screener. I haven't gotten around to it. I will see it. I have seen half of Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. I got another hour to go. I watched the first hour last night. It's pretty good. It's not great, though. Check this out. One reviewer, back when it came out in theaters, who goes, this is Spielberg's best movie since Jaws.
1: What? Best movie since Jaws? Blasphemy. Now, Absolute blasphemy. Now, hold on. He didn't write. This is a play. This was a musical, Broadway musical. It's a work. remake. Yeah, so he didn't write it.
0: Who said it? what, what, what? No. no, hold
1: on. I'm going somewhere. So, really, he just directed a film version of the Broadway play.
0: Yeah, but Tony Kirshner uh, did the screenplay and updated it. Even though it still takes place in 1957, it's still a period piece, he updated the screenplay. And it's good. Look, at it's visually very interesting. You know what I mean? These are not binges or purges, by the way. I'm just telling you what I think of
1: what's out there. I'm moving on, though, okay? Wait. Steven Spielberg also directed The Color Purple, another Broadway play. Also based on a book.
0: It was a book then a movie, then a musical. All right. Now, here we go. Last episode, I was like, you want me to get excited about the power of the dog? You want me to sit through that? Yeah. Well, guess what, Joe? I did.
1: You watched it to the end?
0: I watched the whole thing. And I'm going to tell you, man, I didn't hate it. Really? (laughs) The first hour, you're like, dude, there's no way I'm going to finish this movie. There is no way. And the second hour, you're like, hey, this is pretty good.
1: Oh, man. Sam Elliott's rolling in his grave right now. Sam Elliott is
0: rolling in his grave. But I got to tell you, this was interesting to me. It's beautifully shot. Cumberbatch is great in it. You saw this, right? You watched the whole thing?
1: Yeah. Okay. What did you think? I didn't know if they forgot to like bring the script to set. Nothing happened.
0: What are you talking it about? It was just
1: this tension, like something's about to happen, and then it's like... But
0: something does happen.
1: Not really. I mean, not what you thought was going to happen.
0: That's what I liked about it. I didn't know where it was going. Look, I'm not saying, oh my God, the power of the dog is everybody should see it. But I guess I went in thinking it was going to be an absolute slog. You know, just, oh my God, so pretentious. And by the end, I didn't feel that way. I was involved with it. Wow, I I thought it was terrible. Really? Yeah. I can see that. I can see what you think was awful. By the way, did you notice the music? The music sounded just like There Will Be Blood. Oh. And then I get to the end credits, and it's the same guy that did the music for that, did the music for this. It's uh, uh, Johnny Greenwood from uh, Radiohead. Huh. Okay, Paul Thomas Anderson. What did he have to say? Remind us? He said that these things are too long and that they should be uh, shortened. Yeah. This guy has the audacity to say that when Licorice Pizza goes on way too long? Are you kidding me? The movie has no direction. It has two good performances by the leads. The rest is a pointless
1: mess. Takes place right here in the San Fernando Valley. For sure.
0: I saw it being filmed. Me and my girlfriend are like, we got to watch it. We saw the whole gas station scene being filmed with Bradley Cooper. You're like, is Bradley Cooper going to be in this or not? And then Bradley Cooper's in it. And you're like, why is Bradley Cooper in this? Pointless. Sean Penn is in it. Why? They have these little cameos. They just make no sense. Ah! Licorice pizza sucks. Wow, okay. Yeah, ooh, you did a good job creating the 70s. Hats off to you. It's still a pretentious
1: mess. Okay, let's plow through the rest of this. Okay, two.
0: Nightmare Alley. Saw but, that. Yeah, I Guillermo saw Guillermo del Toro. Too long. Another move that is too long. Drags in the second act. Looks great. Didn't add up to anything, man. Sorry. Yeah. King Richard. Will Smith. Good. It's good. Okay. He's good in it. Sure. Worth watching. Not Oscar. Best Picture worthy. Okay. Dune. Not a complete movie. Can't go with Best Picture because it's half a movie. Part two is going to get made. Perhaps part two will be great and they'll go, okay, we're going to give you a collective Oscar now if it's that good. But as it stands, while I really like Dune... You cannot honor a movie that's half a movie. I agree with that. Right? Don't look up. You saw that. Netflix. Yeah. Burned out on re-entry. That movie came and gone by the time New Year's hit. Right? It came out yeah. at Christmas. Everybody talked about it for like seven days. And then it was like, been there, done that. Too many f- frou-frou actors uh, in it. You know what I mean? Too many yeah. cooks. Yep. We have like 18 Oscar winners. Eh. Too many characters. Too many characters. Too all over the place. Okay, here we go. I saw Drive My Car. Foreign film. Foreign film. Japanese. Two hours and 59 minutes. Oh, boy. Okay? I saw it in the theater, dude. (laughs) The next day, it was available on streaming on HBO Max. (laughs) whoops. But guess what? That's not a whoops. Because if I tried to stream it... There is no way humanly possible I would have finished it. No way. Say, I were in the theater with my buddy. There's only two other people. They're sitting up front. We decided to go in the way, way back, which is good because I had to go up and stretch. Okay. I had to move around. I had to change positions. I did Pilates during this movie. Okay. Jumping jacks, calisthenics. I did it all to keep myself going. Oh, my God, man. I went in knowing nothing other than it's called Drive My Car, and it's going to be in Japanese. Guess what? Some of it is also in sign language.
1: And it's all subtitled. Even the sign language is subtitled. It's all subtitled. Yeah,
0: it's all subtitled. There's very, very little English in it. I think there's no English in it, to be honest with you, man.
1: Okay. There are several
0: listeners to our podcast that think this is one of the best movies of the year. I'm not going to say they're wrong. This movie stayed in my head. As incredibly long and drawn out. And while I'm watching it, I'm like, kill me, kill me. But as the days went by, I kept thinking about it. But holy cow, man, it is hard to sit through. And like I said, if you're going to try to stream this at home, you're not going to make it. It makes the Irishman look like a, a sprint. Wow. There's a lot of driving in it, dude. If you're so inclined... There's rehearsals for a checkoff play. I don't know if you love your checkoff. No. But, boy, you better you better be up on your checkoff because there's a whole thing. They're going to do the read-through, the table read. Then they're going to rehearse it in the park. It's all about, did you ever really know someone like you think you know them? It's all these themes in it that are like very deep and personal and well done. But, oh, my God, dude, three hours, man. I never would have gotten through it if I wasn't forced to by the fact I was in a theater.
1: Was it like hot out that day and your air conditioning wasn't working? Is that why? No, I was
0: like, I want to see it. A couple friends said, hey man, one of the best movies of the year. So I went, my friend wanted to see it. I did it. I feel like I should get like a merit badge or something for sitting through this. But like I said, sticks in your brain. Even though while you're watching it, you're like, kill me, sticks <laughs> in your brain.
1: Wow. Now- to wrap this up. Yeah, I'm um, sorry. I
0: know I've been going nuts here. No, that's
1: okay. We had to do a little bit of a commentary on this. Um what uh what do you think about the foreign films being able to also be best picture like remember Parasite won both? Yeah. Uh I'm cool with it, man. You are? Yeah. If a movie is worthy, it should win whatever it can. Now could Who Framed Roger Rabbit have won best animated film and best picture? Not that it ever would have been nominated for either, but Are we just nominating things for anything they qualify for? I guess,
0: but there was no animation category for Who Framed Roger Rabbit when it was released in 1988. But you get... I get your point. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I don't like the crossover. I think it's one or the other.
0: I don't have a problem with it. I think a good movie
1: is a good movie. Now, Drive My Car Mm. is obviously going to win
0: Best International Film. It's a lock, because it's not going to win Best Picture. Now, to sum it all up, here's what I'm going to say. If I am a voting member of the Academy... I'm going to go with Coda. It's yeah. not epic. Here's what I, I like in a best picture, okay? Two things. Technically brilliant. Maybe it pushes the boundaries. This doesn't really do that, but none of these other movies are really like wow, incredible, you know, even Dune and West Side Story. They're great visually and technically, but it's missing something. They also have to have an element where it moves you. You have to be emotionally involved with it. That, To me, those are the two things that qualify for a movie to win Best Picture.
1: That doesn't happen on this list. It it doesn't really
0: happen on this list. I will say, though, Coda moved me, and for that reason, like I said, I didn't see Belfast, and I've seen half a West Side Story, but having seen everything else, I think Coda should win Best Picture. I don't think it will. I think it's going to go to The Power of the Dog. Ugh. They must have an incredible publicist. Do I think it deserves best picture? No, but it's a kind of a beautiful movie in a weird way. Hate on it all you want, man. I get it. I'm not saying you don't have the right to think the power of the dog sucks. I just thought by the end though, I was like, okay, you know, this was, this got interesting. All right. Can we move on? I'm done here.
1: Speaking of things that are too long. This episode 81. Hey, yeah. Oh uh, my God i'm sorry folks hey, forget about today please tell your friends about this podcast anyway we really appreciate you guys spreading the word send us emails binge or purge podcast at gmail.com instagram at binge or purge podcast twitter at binge or purge facebook slash binge or purge yeah let's wrap it up though quick summary quick summary yes uh pam and tommy miniseries on hulu uh, demo says Watch the first three and then bail. That was a binge tech or a purge. No, it's a binge. I could have purged, but I, I binged. Okay. Uh, I talked about pieces of her way too long on Netflix. Watch something else. That was a purge for me. Hidden gem. Happy, happy, joy, joy, the Ren and Stimpy story. Uh, it's dark. What did I say? Did I say binge or purge? You said a binge. Yeah, it's a binge. It's kind of long for a doc, but, but it is good. And especially if you like Ren and Stimpy, it'll remind you of all these scenes and you'll say to yourself, my parents let me watch that when I was 14 or or however old. So that was good. And then finally, one of the most biggest recommendations so far this year, Coda. Yes,
0: absolutely. On Apple TV+, Plus. up for best picture. I would say it should win. It probably won't. But watch it regardless. Win doesn't win. Watch Coda. Is that it? That's it, man. As always, we want to thank Just the Facts. You can follow Just the Facts on Instagram at TheJesseGreer. That's Jesse with a Y. So for Joe Taylor, my name is Demo. This has been Binge or Purge Streaming Reviews. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.